Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 20 of the Flying Free Broadcast. Today I have with me Rachel again, and we are going to be talking about the differences between a healthy marriage and an unhealthy marriage. And both Rachel and I have, we're both divorced, so we have experienced a destructive marriage, destructive relationship, and... Um, I'm remarried, so and I'm in a healthy relationship now. And Rachel is also, she's not remarried yet, but she is in a healthy relationship. And so we thought it might be helpful for those of you um, who are listening to maybe hear what some of the differences are. Because I remember when I was married to my um, ex-husband, I would tell people about some of the things that I was going through and they would just say, well, that's normal. Everybody does that. You know, guys just all struggle with that. So mm-hmm. I really struggled with thinking that the destructive behavior that I was experiencing was normal. And it would have been helpful for me to actually hear about what a normal, I just thought that to expect anything, to expect good things out of a marriage was just expecting too much. And um, so Rachel, Hello. Are you ready to Hi. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to talk about this. I was just thinking to myself how wonderful it is to look back and see how much your life has changed. I can see the way things used to be and that they are not even in the realm of the way things are now. So right. I'm really grateful for that. Well, and you know, one of the, I was just talking to a lady today and she was telling me that she always thought that she, in her former relationship, that she was you know, her, her ex would tell her that she had problems communicating and that she had problems with, you know, that she was the one with relationship problems, basically. Right. You know how they just always accuse you. So, but as now that she's out, she has realized as she interacts with other people and moves, has moved on with her life, she's realized that she actually doesn't have those kinds of relationship problems at all. In fact, she has a lot, she's realized that she actually is very insightful and intuitive and, you know, whereas she used to bend over backwards in her other relationship, now she's, she's a very flexible person, very interested in other people and their interests, very unselfish, but she never had an opportunity to, well, she had an opportunity to practice all that, but it was in such an unhealthy environment that it was like way overboard. So anyway... But that's something I've noticed is that the skills that I built up in, in that, in my marriage are actually really good things. And they, they serve me really well now being flexible. Like you said, um, my, my ex-husband used to accuse me of being really sensitive and I've realized like, I actually, I actually have pretty thick skin. Um, right. You know, cause you have to, you have to just keep trucking on no matter what they say or accuse you of. So Yep. Um, being really flexible, being really, um, caring, you know, he would always accuse me of not loving him enough. Um, but I'm actually pretty good at loving other people. (laughs) So, uh, it's interesting when you put things in perspective like that. So what, can you think of something in your former marriage that was maybe the, maybe uh, if you can pinpoint one of the biggest struggles that you had in your former marriage and how, 
that particular area is not really an issue in your current relationship? You know, any time in my marriage that there was anything that went wrong, um, anything at all that was off track or um, unexpected, things were terrible because um, my ex-husband would, he was, had this need to be in control and so would immediately start, if things were out of control, I've noticed, I noticed this, if things were out of control in any way um, that he was unable to regain, he starts barking orders and um, controlling myself and our son. Uh, like, you know, double time this, double time that, um, you know, doing things that are completely unreasonable, expecting that. Um, and you can't even raise a hint of a question, right? That this doesn't seem logical or something like that. So what I've noticed though, is, you know, life, life is stressful. Life brings up unexpected situations all the time. But when in my current relationship, um, when that happens and they do happen, it's us together working to problem solve. There's never, um, anything that that's even resembles, um, us against each other or, or me, him needing to control me in order to feel safe or secure or in control. Um, in fact, there's a story I want to share. So he and I, my current, my current um, relationship, we, we came home for lunch one day and I was going to make grilled cheese. I started the stove. It's a gas stove. And he went out back to check on the dog and the door to the back deck is one. It's so silly. It, it locks, but it, it, so it, it can be in a locked position, but you can still open it. So you don't know that it's locked. And, um, so I went and followed him out back and then the door closed. So we were locked out of the house and the stove is on. Okay. Oh no. And we immediately, you know, he's thinking about, okay, what can we do? Um, let's go. Well, so there's the door, we can open the garage door but the door to the garage that goes into the house had been locked as well. But he goes around and tries to find out anyway. And I'm still like, I couldn't remember if I had left the stove on or not. I'm like watching it, expecting flames to break out any second. Now this is like (laughs) the height of a stressful situation. Okay. So then eventually he comes through, it's probably like three minutes or something. He comes through the house. He unlocks the back door. He had broken the door to the garage, but um, he just, pushed the handle far enough and broken the lock mechanism. But the whole time there was never any blame for me. I mean, the door had shut behind me. So there was never any blame that that had been cast. He was just, he, he fixed the situation. Everything was fine. And we made sure never ever to have that door locked again. Um, but I can't even tell you how terrible that would have been. I would have been hearing about that for days and and forever, honestly. Mm. Um, it would have been something I was, you know, mocked about and, and just absolutely shamed about. And it was, a, it was an honest mistake like we all make. Um, but that's just, it's just coalesced in my mind how vastly different the experiences um, of being in a relationship with someone who is healthy versus someone who is character disordered, like narcissist or something like that. Right. So what do you think made, what, what do you think makes the difference between 
your current relationship, your current guy's response and your ex's response? What, what do you think is going on inside of their heads that makes the difference? I think it is um, the difference of authentic love. I don't know that people who are character disordered have the ability to truly love someone in a selfless way because um, it's like when you, when there is a situation like that, it's like their comfort, their control, everything else is much more important than you are as a person in that moment, right? The mm-hmm. stress, the stress of it overwhelms them. And, and it's like, they, they don't care about you at all. It's just about what, what their needs are. Um, for in my relationship now, it's, it's like there, and I, I understand this and I know he feels the same way. There's never anything that I want to divide us. Like there's nothing that he could do or, or any irritation or mistake that's going to make me condemn him as a person because, um, I value him so much as a person. He's not like a means to an end. He is an end. He is, he is, he is what, what's most important to me. So if he makes a mistake, like for example, the other day, um, we realized that he, he himself had left the garage door open for, it was probably an hour or two. No big deal. My ex-husband would have freaked out. Um, mm. cause his stuff was his, is the most important thing to him in his life is his things, his, his possessions. And, um, even though I was like, I was a little bit, you know, making sure that nothing had been stolen, no bikes were gone or anything like that. Like the idea of berating him or calling him stupid or careless or dumb, like he knew he had made a mistake. Um, he was sheepish about it, but I sort of laughed it off. It was no big deal, no harm done. Because and and so just this ability to see beyond the circumstances, um, and and what it comes down to is you value the worth of the other person more than you value, you know, perfection or you know this idea that, that they somehow screwed up beyond, um, what you love them or something like that. I don't know if that makes sense, but basically their worth is more, is the most, they as a person are, are most, um, precious to you more than anything else. Right. Right. I think, um, for me, I think the, the worst, and I know you've experienced this too, but I think, the worst part for me in my other relationship was just never being able to resolve a con yes. any conflict. Yes. And I couldn't, no matter what I brought up, it didn't matter how nicely I brought it up. I didn't always bring up everything nicely. You know, there were times when I was mm-hmm. just so frustrated because it would be the same thing happening over and over and over again and, and nothing would ever change. So I'd get very frustrated. But I, for the most part, I really did try very hard to bring up things in a in a respectful way, I was firm, you know, I would have this tone, but it was still respectful. I would not call him names or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but I would bring up a problem and, or maybe um, something that was bothering me or something that needed to be done. And I would immediately get accused of something. It would, the tables would suddenly turn and it was something about me. You know, it Mm -hmm. was my fault. It was, he was busy and why didn't I understand that? And he was trying his best. And why was I such a nag? And I was too Mm. sensitive and I wasn't trusting God and on and on and on. 
And we would go and we would have these circular conversations and he, he would never, I never felt like he ever heard me. Like Mm -hmm. he ever, I, I remember one time at the beginning of my marriage, I rolled over in bed and I just, I was just sobbing and he rolled over and went to sleep and I could hear him snoring and I was, you know, sniffling and I had like tons of Kleenex on the side of the bed because I'd been blowing my nose. And I just, I felt so abandoned and so alone. And I felt like that our whole entire marriage. Um, Incidentally, one of the things that I, the church people that excommunicated me told, said about me is they said that I had abandonment issues. So they even made that that experience of feeling abandoned as, you know, be something that was my fault or something that was like- Something to be ashamed of. Exactly. And that if I didn't have those issues, that maybe I wouldn't be in the, you know, wouldn't be in this horrible situation. But that's so, so twisted. It is. It's, it is so twisted. But anyway, with my current relationship, you know, I, do marriages do do people have run? You know, have disagreements and and um, run into problems? Yes. Um, in our marriage, he lost, uh, Tom is my husband. Tom lost his, uh, brother three months into our marriage. And then I lost my dad a couple months later and we were both grieving and we both had, there were a lot of dynamics going on in extended family because of those deaths. And, um, it was very, very stressful, but, and, and plus, you know, Tom and I, we don't agree on some politics. We don't agree on, we don't agree on a few things. We're, we are a lot alike, but we're a lot, we're, we're quite different as well. But it's been absolutely incredible to see how two people who are different, who don't agree on everything, but we have amazing conversations because there is respect on both parts, not just on one part. There's respect and genuine love and understanding of where the other person is coming from. So I respect his viewpoint. He respects mine. Neither one of us has ever criticized the other one for their viewpoint on anything. Yeah. And it's been so refreshing to see that it's just to, it reassures me that, okay, I, all these things that my ex-husband called me and told me that I was and the ways that he defined me, which I just felt like, I don't think that's really me. That wasn't me before I got married. And I don't think it's, it's not how I think inside and and I've realized you know what that really wasn't me the real but me. it's so damaging though in the meantime because this is the person you're supposed to be the most intimate with who's supposed to know you the the most I'm right. sorry I interrupted you oh yeah no Please continue no th- you're right it it is damaging it, it's extremely damaging it really it destroys your, it's very dehumanizing and degrading really, because you can't, how can you possibly blossom into the person that you are when you're, when your most intimate partner is defining you as a completely different person? Exactly. It's devastating. Yeah. Well, it's an annihilation. I believe it's, it's a, it's a murder of sorts, you know, Mm -hmm. because you, your body is still alive, but your soul, your spirit is is being decimated slowly over the over the course of time. Yeah. So you kind of you pretty much lose you you lose touch with who you are and um yeah, so that is not normal. 
that's not a normal relationship. Normal relationship is having issues, but you work. You so you, so. I guess my main point, circling all the way back to the beginning of what my <laughs> what I was trying to say here, is that we can resolve conflict. It doesn't mean that you don't have conflict. A healthy relation, healthy relationships have conflict at, at, at times, but they resolve their conflicts and they resolve them in a way that actually brings the two people closer together. There's even a greater depth of understanding between the two of you. Your love for each other gets deeper. Um, it's just, it's a very profound thing. And that it's been such an amazing experience to actually, I believe that in my mind, you know, before I thought, I really think this is the way it's supposed to be. I feel like that's the way God talks about relationships in the Bible. I've seen people have healthy relationships but I had never experienced that. I didn't really even experience, I definitely didn't experience that in my family of origin. So I never had that kind of relationship modeled for me. So it was all kind of, it was all uh, uh, kind of a, is this really true? Can this really be? And now that I, now I know a year and a half later, well, I've, I've been in a relationship with Tom longer than that, but we've been married for a year and a half is definitely true. It's definitely something that is a possibility when you have two people who are, really willing to come to the table and work hard and, and really love one another. Yeah. And even the conflicts are beautiful because when you both have, um, you know, skin in the game with taking responsibility for whatever role you played, thinking back with self-reflection on how, um, you were interpreting things or misinterpreting things and, and taking responsibility for that it brings you closer because, you know, there's a reason why that conflict happened. There's some, um, something there. And so when you can explore that together, you know, you get to know the other person even better. Um, so it's just going deeper and deeper and deeper all the time and conflicts. I mean, when you have, uh, the tools to, to work through things and, you know, the responsibility isn't being placed all on one person, Um, it's incredible. And I finally understand what like the typical Christian church advice means. Like you've got to be humble. You've got to accept, you know, you've got to die to yourself or whatever. I, I, I sort of get, I don't really like that phrase, die to yourself, but, um, I sort of get, you know, where they're coming from and I can see how it works in an, in a healthy, you know, otherwise healthy relationship, Whereas it's like some of the most damaging advice if you're in an abusive dynamic. Do you see, do you see that where right. you finally, your eyes finally opened up to like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Exactly. And, <laughs> and it's also encouraging to know that I do have those skills. You know, I've got those yes. skills. In fact, I used them in my former relationship all the time. Mm-hmm. But now, but, and it still didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you can have those skills, but if you're married to an abusive person, um, you're those. You're not. You're still not going to have a great marriage because it takes two people with those skills. Yeah, it does. It just. It's just impossible to do it by yourself. So I have a question for you. It's kind of, that's related. Now we were told in our former life <laughs> that to have a healthy marriage, we needed to submit more. It was very simple. The, the key was simply that you that we needed to submit more. And that if we would do that, our husbands then would better be able to do what they're required to do, which is love us more. So in other words, Mm -hmm. their love was kind of predicated on our submission 
And, and then they would say, you know, they would give a disclaimer and say, he should be loving you too, but, uh, but, but, you know, you need to focus on your submission, not his Mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. So how, I mean, how did that work out for you? And what is, and what is your current is, so are, do you have a great relationship now because you are submitting perfectly now and your husband is (laughs) loving you perfectly? (laughs) Oh, I have a great relationship because my, the person I am with is a wonderful, godly, patient man, and he genuinely loves me and cares about me. That is why, and, and I feel the same way about him. That is why we have a really good relationship. Um, I, I actually talked to him about this just the other day about submission. And I, I said, you know, do you feel like after we get married, like there's going to be this dynamic where we need to, like, if there's a hard decision, um, you know, that what's that thing that people say? It's like, well, you know, you talk about it, but if it's, if it's, if it comes down to it, it's always on the man. That's God's right, role. Right. And people may have different opinions about that. And he's like, you know, I really can't envision a circumstance where it's really profound, where we're that far apart. And I have to, I'm the tiebreaker. I have 51% of the, of the power and the relationship or something like that. I mean, and he's right. We have a track record of, um, coming, being able to come to, uh, agreement about things, even when we're, um, far apart. So for example, he likes to get to the airport, like really early, like mm, four hours ahead of a flight. (laughs) Whereas, (laughs) and this is the kind I mean, I, this is what I respect and appreciate about him so much. Like he's a really good planner, Um, he likes to think ahead on things. Whereas I'm just like fly by the seat of my pants. I want to be using every minute to do what I want to do. And I don't want to be sitting around an airport for a long time. Um, so he has, we've both compromised. So instead of getting there like four hours in advance, we're there two hours in advance, still too early for me, but I, (laughs) I'm willing to, you know, I I'm yielding to him. Uh, and his, he's got good intentions there. He, he is, he's trying to make sure that we, everything falls in line. So I'll sit and read my book or whatever. Um, and we'll tease each other about it. Right. Um, but well, I, and he's, I, he's yielding yeah. to you too. You guys are both exactly. you know, you're compromising. That's a beautiful. Exactly. It really is. And, um, he, it, it doesn't, he, he, he is, is compromising his own comfort, um, his own, you know, planning strengths, you know, that, um, come so naturally to him on Mm -hmm. my behalf. So anyway, it's just awesome. There's a quote in my book. Uh, is it me making sense of your confusing marriage that says when one person in a relationship makes all the decisions unilaterally, they miss out on the opportunities to truly know and love another human life to give and take to capitalize and draw on one another's strengths and knowledge and experience and to understand real intimacy and oneness. Yeah. You're totally... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, you're totally just sort of um, casting aside all of those, those assets that that other person brings to the table in favor of whatever's going on in your own head. Right. And I think when you read, when you look at the word of God as a whole and you read about Jesus's interactions with his creation, people, and you read about 
how relationships, Christian relationships are supposed to look in the New Testament, not marriage. There's a few verses that speak directly to marriage, but the vast majority of verses in the New Testament that are about relationships are about relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ. And that describes those relationships. And yet it's always been a mystery to me why when you get married, suddenly though all of those verses kind of get set aside. And then it's about, at least it, this is in modern Christianity. And then it's about, um, you know, no, it's not, it's not a mutual thing. There is no such thing as mutual submission. It's now it's why, when, you know, now the wife has to submit to her husband and, and, the, and, sh- and don't get me wrong. I am a firm believer in submission. We submit to God um, when Jesus came to earth, he submitted to his father uh, when, when he was on this earth. Um, I don't believe in the eternal submission of the son, which is a whole nother topic that we probably will never touch on in this podcast. <laughs> but um, but um, I, ha- I lost my train of thought because I started thinking about the eternal subordination of the son. <laughs> I think you and were going to make a point about... Um, the the why you know this unilateral proclamation that wives always have to submit to their oh, husband. Yeah, I was going to say, don't. I, it's not that I think submission is a dirty word. I think submission is a beautiful word. But I think submission is required for every healthy relationship for, for both parties. Yes, it's it's just it's absolutely required. If you don't have that on both, if you don't have both parties seeking to be like Jesus, you're not going to have a healthy relationship, period. And there, and there's the recipe though. If both parties are things you've got, you've got the tools, you, everything's going to spring forward from that. And there will be challenges, but you'll have the ability to work through them together. If you are seeking Jesus and, and, you know, being, um, sanctified in that call. Right. So, that we're going to wrap this up, but I just want to say that if you, um, if you're listening and you're interested in learning more about healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships, I recommend John Gottman's book. It's called the seven. Oh my goodness. I'm going to seven I, principles for making marriage work. Thank you. The seven yes. principles for making marriage work. Also, if you, go to my website, flyingfreenow.com. You can get the first three chapters of my book for free as a download. All you have to do is enter your, just click on the very top right-hand corner. It says, you know, sign up and get the first three chapters for free. What you're doing when you're signing up is you're just saying, I would like to get your podcast episodes delivered to my email inbox and my articles. I write an article. I try to write a couple of articles every month. And I do, I don't spam people. Okay. That's just, it's just helpful things. And then you'll also get the first three chapters for free. Um, and one of those chapters, the second one talks about the differences between a normal marriage and a, actually, it's just all about a normal marriage. And the six things that I go over, um, in that chapter is I'm looking it up right now. Cause I, there are six characteristics. They are mutual love mutual respect, mutual honesty, mutual vulnerability, 
mutual responsibility, and mutual submission. And I am not talking about two perfect people because I can promise you, Rachel and I are not perfect and Mm -mm. our Tom is not perfect. And Rachel's new relationship, her, her new man is not perfect. Okay. So, but we are talking about a mutual working together and agreement to move forward into Christ likeness. And, um, yeah. So I think that wraps it up. Did you have anything there else is, to add? Yeah. I wanted to just say, I think that one of the things that's so tricky about um, distinguishing whether or not you're in an abusive relationship or not is that sometimes abusive behavior looks like and can be dismissed as normal behavior, right? So one of the examples I want to give is that in my former relationship, my marriage, my husband used stonewalling as a way to control me. He would just not talk to me. For, I mean, as long as I would let it go on until I apologized. Okay. So it was excruciating at times. I could, I don't think I ever lasted longer than like three days, probably not even that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So one of the things I've had to work through in my new relationship is, um, my, 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 the person I'm in a relationship with, he is an internal processor. So if there's a disagreement or if his feelings are hurt or something like that, he shuts down. Okay. So to me, it's like through my filters of trauma and all this experience in the past, that is him stonewalling me and trying to control me and trying to um, hurt me, et cetera. And what I've come to realize and come to trust is that he's shown me over and over and over again, he's going to process it internally. And then he's going to come to me and he'll tell me, you know, he'll be upfront about where he's at. He'll apologize if needed. We'll be able to talk things through things will be fine. We'll be, we'll be able to work through things. Whereas that never happened. There was before there was never any responsibility taken. It was all on me. So looking for those subtle clues and it all comes back to taking, does, does, um, you know, this other person take responsibility for their behavior? Do they repent? Do they, um, change, et cetera. And if that is there, that's awesome. You're, you have, a great, you know, foundation for a healthy relationship. If it's not there, I mean, is it even a relationship? I mean, that's, that's right. sort of a rhetorical question, but because right. you can't have a relationship where one party is doing all of the hauling with, right. I think what the Bible calls being unevenly yoked. Right. So true. You know, and speaking, piggybacking off of, of what you said, I wanted to recommend another resource. It's called uh, Beyond Boundaries by John Townsend. So if you are listening and you're in between relationships and you're trying to figure out, oh, I'm going in, you know, I don't want to bring my woundedness into the next relationship or how am I going to deal with, like Rachel just described, she has a trigger when she gets the silent treatment and maybe this new person is not giving the silent treatment, but doing something different has, you know, there's different dynamics going on there. Um, this book actually talks about how to deal with some of those challenges too, so that you don't end up being triggered by the wrong things or end up assuming that your new relationship is like the old one. It's very, very tricky. You're walking a high wire because you don't, you want to pay attention to red flags. Okay. There are some things that are non-negotiable, but at the same time, all people have flaws, you know, all people make mistakes, all people have issues. Okay. So you, so, but there are abusive issues and then there are just your general run of the mill kind of issues. And we who have been through abuse and lived through it, we're uber sensitive 
Mm-hmm. So, um, so just kind of navigating all of that. But I think I want to say that you've done a beautiful job, Rachel. And really the other women that I've talked to who have navigated new relationships, they do it beautifully because they are just, because they're so sensitive. Yeah. And um, it's actually, there is a danger of getting back into a bad relationship, but there's also a lot of potential for, ha- for, beco- for having a relationship in the future that is really quite incredible. I agree. So, yeah. So anyway, um, I wanted to say too, that if anyone has a question that they want to submit for the podcast, if you go to my website, flyingfreenow.com, click on the menu where it just says podcast and open up to this one or any of the recent ones, there'll be a link in there that says uh, something like, you know, do you have a question for the podcast? Click here. And then it will take you to a place where you can actually record your question. You don't have to leave your name or anything. Just record your question on voice. And then we get to play it on the podcast and hear you ask your question. Um, The other thing is that we now are doing transcripts. So a beautiful single mother who is divorced from an abusive man has offered to do transcripts for us at half price, but but I really want to pay her full price. Okay, so if I so what I decided is I, I, I'm we're open to take donations, and you can sponsor an episode of this podcast. It's about fifty dollars to spot to pay for the transcript to be made, and. Uh, I'm sorry, not just for the transcript. That would cover the cost of the transcript. And we could also tip Rachel for being on the program so much and giving of her time because she's also a single mom and she's working hard and she is trying to make ends meet as well. So um, that's it. Uh, Oh, if you want to donate though, again, just go to one of the recent podcasts, this one, or I think the last, I think the last two besides this one will have donate buttons. You know what? I just realized the donate button doesn't work right now. I'm going to go fix that. And so hopefully by the time you hear this, the donate buttons are fixed and it will, um, you'll be able to donate. You don't have to donate $50. If you, if you can just donate, you know, five or $10, at least it will go towards these two ladies and help to cover the costs of paying for transcripts to be made. Because so many of you have written to me and said, I really want to just read the podcast. I don't want to listen. So can't imagine why anyone wouldn't want to listen to us blab (laughs) for a half an hour to an hour but okay I get it so that's what we want to offer for you and I think that's it fly free